Welcome to SRG Offscript, the podcast where experts at Succession Resource Group unpack the latest industry trends, recommendations, and observations for independent advisors managing their practice. With no fluff and a little entertainment. In each episode, we'll discuss ways in which you can understand and leverage the value of your business, grow your business through M&A, but also through an optimized organizational structure, improve and protect your business to create a sustainable enterprise that can hopefully outlast you, and lastly, preparing for your eventual retirement and how to maximize that result. So we encourage you to listen in with whatever beverage suits your preference, and let's get to the forefront of industry trends with a fresh perspective to help you achieve your business goals. Welcome to the inaugural episode of David Grau's podcast. In this first show, we're going to learn about David from David. And we're also going to talk about the focus at Succession Resource Group. I'm Patrice Sikora. So David, back in the day, what drew you to the financial services industry? Well, probably like most advisors, most of our peers, my colleagues, it is an interesting and long story. Uh, So I'll give you the Clip Notes version. And that is, I sort of grew up in the industry, at least from a professional capacity in that my father, David Grouse Sr., was in the industry, we had just started FP Transitions, and I had just come out of the Navy, uh, where I served four years active duty, and then went to college, did two years. My first two years there as a full-time student, which I can tell you, coming out of four years in the military, two years of college life was a blessing in disguise. Wasn't really fully aware of it at the time. I think I kind of was more than the average student. Really, um, but I actually had you know yeah just two years, no working, just going to school, and man, did I love it! But alas, it wasn't to be. I ended up getting sucked into the world that is advisor mergers and acquisitions and succession. Working part time initially, helping out the organization, and then it became a full time gig, and then I ended up transferring school so that I could be there full time and then some and going to school in the evenings. And the rest is history. It just was, you know, one thing after another. And I kept enjoying the challenges. And again, being new to the industry, while at the same time, mergers and acquisitions, buying and selling practices, like that was kind of new as well. That wasn't really an assumed thing at the time. So while I look back on it and think, you know, I knew a fraction of what I know now. Well, that's kind of the case with everybody. So I I kind of inadvertently stumbled into it. And like so many things you stumble into, turns out I really enjoyed it. I love the clients that we work with and the work that they provide in their respective communities. And the rest is history. Here we are almost 20 years later. Did you ever want to be an advisor? Surprisingly, no. Uh, I do appreciate the work that they do. Do and and we from the seat we sit in, we get to see it from a variety of different angles and capacities. You know, some that are really amazing money managers, portfolio managers, others that are just amazing relationship managers or asset gatherers. And so those are simply skills that I wouldn't say I don't have, but I don't have a desire to have it. It's much like when I would see my you know wife who was a CPA in years past. I, I have an appreciation for it. 
I don't have any desire, strangely, to do it, or maybe not so strangely when it comes to taxes, but (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate the work that they do. But no, frankly, again, kind of going back to getting sucked into the black hole that was M&A in the rest of my life and professional career, I just enjoy this work too much to even think about doing anything else. So no. All right. So what is this work? What is it that you do? Yeah, good question. And it sounds like a simple answer given the name of our company, Succession Resource Group. But succession planning, if you ask five different professionals who do succession planning, you're likely to get five similar but different answers. And so for us, succession planning, mergers and acquisitions, I mean, that is what we eat, sleep, and breathe. We tell folks, we know a lot about a little. We really just do this work for independent financial service professionals. But even those lines have gotten blurred. Back in the day, that used to mean folks under an IBD, an RIA. Now it's insurance, it's accountants, you know, mm. tax preparers. So it's, it's that group of individuals. And then the only thing that we do for them is services and solutions that impact or drive the equity in their practices. So that covers certainly your basics, mergers and acquisitions, your supporting services that also fall into the obvious category, like practice valuation, appraisals for divorce, partnership disputes. But we also do a lot of work now starting to back up from the proverbial and or literal exit door, helping them get their entities set up correctly to make succession viable later and to set them up to be able to go out and buy practices because that seems to be all the rage these days, Uh, helping them get their compensation plan design done right, their employment agreements, because again, these things all inform their succession choices later and down the road. So it still really all comes back to succession planning, mergers and acquisitions, but we do a lot of work earlier in the process to help support making those decisions easier for everybody involved. Which brings up the question, where in their journey do you really wish to start engaging with an advisor? So if I had my druthers and we could wave our magic wand, and this is kind of our modus operandi in the industry and why if you follow us on social media or peruse our website or shoot, you go to an industry conference, you're likely to bump into us. The reason why you see we are so prolific in trying to get the good word out is because, to answer your specific question, Patrice, our perfect world is every independent advisor, every independent agent, every independent accountant starts with the end in mind, i.e. said another way, they start knowing they have a business that has value or that will have value as they build it. Right. And when you when you view it that way, and it's something that you have in your personal balance sheet, or at least in the back of your head on your personal balance sheet, is, is something you will someday sell or hand off to somebody that it, it has value. It's intangible, but it has value. And that, that value, those dollars will be very tangible at the end of a career. It would be nice to have every independent business owner in our industry, but I'll take every independent business owner if I could have it my way that they approach it from the very beginning with that understanding and exception um, or expectation. That's not the case today, but it is getting a heck of a lot better than where we were 10 and 20 years ago when I would spend the first half of conversations just trying to convince our prospective clients that, no, you, you can sell these businesses. The clients will transfer. They, many cases, they did not believe us 
until the transfer was happening. <laughs> like they take our word for it because they heard that we were knowledgeable, but they didn't believe it until it happened. Today, it's assumed that you can sell the business. That much they get. But beginning to sort of eat their own cooking, be proactive in their planning, that's really just starting to become normal here in the last couple of years. Well, when a potential client approaches you, what can they expect in that first, the first and or the second session with you or just conversation with you? The whole goal with our team, regardless of what service solution you might end up needing help with or services, in many cases, it could be you know, a couple of different things we can help advisors, agents, accountants with. Either way, the end goal is to make sure that they they understand their choices. I mean, these are these aren't necessarily complicated tasks or projects. In some cases, they certainly can be, mm-hmm. depending on the scope of the work and the client. But I would say more importantly is complicated projects, simple project. How can we take things that the client isn't familiar with, is sometimes uncomfortable with, and get them comfortable with it? So that could be valuation, could be growing through mergers or acquisitions. It could be selling their business, which is Again, their their life's work. So no matter what, we want to make sure every one of our clients feels comfortable with the decisions they're making. So we've got to really simplify these concepts initially. It's kind of like you know boiling a frog. You don't just throw it in; or it's going to hop right back out. <laughs> it's the same thing with the work that we do. We got to sort of raise the level of awareness, you know, industry wide, but client by client, to get them comfortable with making these decisions. And then they boil. Eventually, we get it to a point where they're comfortable and they stay put. Right. But we got to turn the heat up gradually. You say uncomfortable with what? What are some of the issues that you see when somebody comes to you? You mentioned a few here, but I can see someone saying, "Well, I think I need to do something. What do I need to do? How do you get them over that hump?" So it, it varies. Most of the time, when they come to us, they won't necessarily always express it as explicitly as we hear it, but you know, we're getting pretty good at translating these things. And that is they tend to either be in growth mode or sunset mode, as in, mm. I mean, growth mode is pretty self-explanatory. They want to grow their business and where we can help them then is improving the value of their existing business, you know, valuations and benchmarking and recommendations, getting their employment agreements in place and compensation plan redesign or design if they haven't done it yet. I mean, those are all things that are basics to build a more valuable enterprise, but also, I mean, we're in a graying industry and I'm, and I said it generically across all the yeah. industries that we work in, you know, the accountants, agents, advisors, it doesn't matter. They're all getting older and it wasn't a young crowd to begin with. So it's about figuring out how can we help them if they're in growth mode, get, get ready and, or go out there and acquire practices. And I mean, as exciting a subject as that is, because there's no faster way to grow one's business than to go buy somebody else's life's work. Um, it, it's it's change and it's positive change, but you and I both know we're all kind of resistant to change, at least initially. And so it's a stressful process. We try to get them comfortable with the idea the strategies, the process, and then actually help them get it done, form contracts and working on the financing. And if it's on the succession side, Again, it's it's about making sure they understand the scope of alternatives, because so many folks think it's it's A, B, or C. A, I stay and die at my desk, and I don't really want to do that. Although we do hear that they're okay with that in many cases. B, I 
I could sell the business and then retire, but I'm not ready to retire. Or C, I guess I just do nothing because I don't love A or B. And I tell you, a lot of the industry picks C kind of by default, not on purpose, because they don't understand the full range of options that they really have to to realize their equity incrementally or all at once or through mergers. There's just a lot of choices, just like the work they do with clients. If a client comes to them and says, Patrice, I am ready to retire. I have a million dollars saved up. What can you do for me? You could help me. But if I had come to you 10 years ago with my half million, you probably could have done a whole lot more for me and gotten me more ready for where I am now today. And succession planning is the same way. Can we help them when they're ready to exit? Yeah, of course. If they come to us five and 10 years before they're ready to exit stage left, can we do more for them? Yes. Will they enjoy it more? Yes. Will they get more value? Undoubtedly. So it's just about getting them comfortable with the ideas and the concepts, which is why we go speak and write articles as much as we do, just to share the good word, to plant the seed and and create some unrest, get people thinking. Two-part question here. Where do you see the most satisfaction in the process? Not happiness, but satisfaction. And two, where does the client sometimes see the most satisfaction? I would tell you it actually is probably the same for both of us. And that is, I mean, growing through acquisition is is an easy and obvious one. We help them get these deals done. They double in size. A year or two later, they fully onboard and operationalize the practice, and they're ready to go do it again. Like That's pretty cool to see. I mean, these are life-changing events, especially when they're going through the initial due diligence process and just... I mean, especially if it's the first acquisition, kind of freaking out. Like it's it's stressful. You're talking about sometimes taking on a million plus dollars in debt. Like it's it's a lot. But I would tell you the most rewarding is it's at the end of a career when they come to us early enough and we've got, I'd say probably a five to 10 year exit horizon. 10 years being you know, sort of the, the back back end. Like it's probably gonna be five to seven for most of these folks. But when they gradually start transitioning the business and as they're transitioning it, the next generation is is stepping up and doing what we, they anticipated that they would do. And they're helping put their foot on the gas as the founders taking their foot off the gas. And they go from being a 100% owner of a business worth 5 million to an 80% owner of a company worth 5.5 million to a 50% owner. You sort of get where I'm going. Eventually, right. they get to the stage of where there may be a 20% minority owner in their business and their 20% is worth more than when they had 100% but they weren't the ones driving the growth. Then they get to a point where they're coming back to us saying, well, shoot, retire from what? <laughs> and the next generation's looking at us saying, you one of two things, either get this old guy or gal out of here. Uh, <laughs> or more than likely, it's nice to have the founder still sort of of counsel. They're on the website. They're in the office occasionally. I mean, it just creates a lot of continuity for the clients, but that's a pretty cool thing to be able to stand back and having done it long enough to see these things, number one, in the spreadsheets work, but to actually see them play out in real life. And then how rewarding it is for these owners to come back where they initially weren't even sure the next generation you know, had the chops to do this to where they get now five and 10 years later, where it, it's a it's smooth sailing. They don't know what they would retire from. And frankly, they probably never will fully retire. That's kind of cool. That's fantastic. That really is. Now, before we move on to talk about you, tell me about your team. Who works with you? 
So again, I think pretty comparable journey to most advisors where you start out. I started out as chief cook and dishwasher doing all things, which is not a bad thing. You know how to do all the jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get enough clients that it doesn't make sense to be answering the phone anymore. And so you start hiring. You know, Now here we are 10 years later, and we've got a team of, I think, 18 at this point. Uh, we, we used to all actually be based in our headquarters back in Portland, Oregon, Probably half the team is still there just because, you know, the old guard, they've been with us the longest. But post-pandemic, we just never came back to the physical office. We still have it because we bought the office building during the pandemic, mind you. Great decision. But we (laughs) ended up, you know, for the most part pivoting and our team is fully remote, which is kind of cool because it just lets us hire the best and the brightest people, regardless of where they might reside, which seems obvious now in hindsight. But at the time, back when we were in the office, I just... I couldn't imagine hiring somebody that was on the East Coast. Like they couldn't mm-hmm. function if they weren't sitting next to me. Well, turns out they can. And it takes some adapting of your systems and processes, but it does work. And so, yeah, now we've got a team of, I think it's 18 at this point. And you know, we'll have another couple of strategic hires probably this year. But it's the nature of the beast because, I mean, A, like most folks, we, we want to grow. We want greater depth of talent and coverage. It's nice to have some redundancies. But I would also tell you, it's just about meeting the rising tide of demand on succession planning industry-wide because we're in an industry full of professional planners for the most part, and they're starting to eat their own cooking and they're starting to get more proactive. And the broker-dealers and the custodians and the TAMPs, they're all starting to realize, you know what? We got a horse in this race too. We, we would like to see these people not solely retire through attrition, but retire with succession plans where the business actually continues to grow. Right. So now we've got everybody sort of pushing this topic and that's driving a lot more demand for our services. And therefore, kind of like the Gretzky you know, comment or quote, we got to be skating to where the puck is heading, not where it is. I like that. All right, David, when you're not working, what do you do for fun? I don't know. Do you play hockey? <laughs> uh, no, no. While I, I did grow up in the Pacific Northwest, I'm now here in uh, Austin of all places. And Oh, that's a change. That, that, that is a change. And we moved in August to boot, which if you've ever been to the Pacific Northwest in August, it's the reason you live there. Uh, if you've ever been into Texas in August, it is not the reason you live here. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. And you can tell for those of you that will see any video clips from this podcast, uh, I've got that nice sort of Irish Scottish skin tone. It doesn't do well with the sun. So there's a lot of Costco trips for sunscreen for me, <laughs> but needless to say, yeah, fun. I, I've got three young kids. So the things that I used to do pre-kids, golf, ski, snowboarding, getting up to the mountain, uh, there were a lot of things I used to do pre-kids that, you know, I'll probably pick back up in retirement. For now, to answer your actual question, for me, honestly, it's probably quiet time on a nice long run with an audio book. That's it. it. Yeah. All right. This is kind of an all-encompassing question, I guess, but, but what's your idea of success? Similar to my comment on like what's the most rewarding thing we do or experience with clients, getting them to a point where they can sort of back up and just watch the magic happen. Same thing for us that, that our organization has gotten to a point where I'm, I'm not involved and we, we can scalably deliver on our services and promises to clients. 
and, and frankly, while that's kind of a you know personal and selfish goal that we want to see that happen, we want to be able to serve a bigger portion of the industry because I only expect the demand for succession planning and mergers and acquisitions to increase in the next you know five to ten years and certainly beyond that because I don't see the industry necessarily getting any younger. I expect a healthy amount of consolidation and I want to make sure that we we're, we're here to help those advisors, whether they're big advisors, small advisors, everybody generally has the same kinds of issues. You can add a zero or take a zero away. The problem is the same. And so we want to be able to build our organization to serve maybe not everybody, but to serve as broad a group of professionals as possible. Because again, big practice, small practice, accounting, advisory, insurance, for most of us as business owners, our, our business is our most valuable asset. It's something we invest a considerable amount of time, effort, blood, sweat, and tears into. And it's really rewarding to be able to help them to realize the value of that business. And so again, kind of selfishly, it's, it's very rewarding to go through that process. And so we want to be able to do it for as many people as we can and do it sustainably. I'm going to go back to you just mentioned you went you moved from from Portland, a wonderful place to Austin, another wonderful place, I'm sure. But why'd you do that? Yeah, good question. So for us as a company, me personally, we were very committed to Portland. I mean, we've been there for a long time. It's where effectively all of our staff was and the office building that we had purchased in mm-hmm. 2020. So it was the headquarters personally and professionally. But when we got through the pandemic and we had everyone set up very well remotely, because as we are all intimately aware, that just kept dragging on and on and on. Continues, uh, eventually, it continues. It continues. And it continues. Oh. So we just got to the point where, it, and we... I would say on purpose, but we didn't have this in mind, but we we have very competent, capable professionals where I, I see a lot of advisors struggle with the idea of working remotely because they don't know what their staff would be doing. I never worry about what my staff is doing. In fact, when I do worry, it's because I worry they're working too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the idea of having them not be within my line of sight just never really crossed my mind aside from just the water cooler talk and going out to get coffee. Like that was the part that I was most concerned about missing out on. And frankly, I'm still concerned about it. You know, we work hard to make sure we can stay connected, but once we figured out, you know, this whole remote thing is kind of working, we realized, you know what? We don't have to be in Portland and I Austin, Austin, why, why Austin? And so we started looking around and our kids, you know, they go to a French immersion school of all things. Don't even ask why, because I do not speak French, but they do. And so we started looking around the country for places that were maybe not quite as, I'll say, weird or liberal as Portland, you know, and that takes on lots of different contexts. I don't mean necessarily politically, but Portland was a very interesting city 2020 and beyond as opposed to 2019 and before. Mm. And, you know, the taxes and everything else as a small business owner, uh, they did a pretty good job of chasing us out. So here we are in Austin, Texas. I travel a lot for work because I get a chance to do a lot of speaking. And I've been to Austin a couple of times. It's a really cool growing city. Uh, And so we started looking around trying to figure out what would be a good landing spot. My wife hates the cold. To be fair, she's also a native Oregonian. So I don't know how these two things, you know, 
coalesced, but they did. She hates being cold. And so Texas works great. I run a lot. And so when you tell me that I could be in a place that's you know got a lot of flat land, well, it sounds like a, a lot easier running and a lot more running. And I enjoyed golfing. Well, I'm a fair weather golfer, which means in Oregon, I had like <laughs> 60 days that I could golf and that had to line up perfectly with the kids schedule. So the stars aligned. And again, traveling as much as I do being centrally located has actually been a blessing in disguise as well. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question and this is your children aside, okay. David. What is your proudest achievement? Children aside. Probably my work children, as in my my peers, mm-hmm. my colleagues, the folks who I've had the pleasure of working with, mentoring, training, nowadays learning stuff from. It's it, it is really nice to see the investment of time and effort that we put in actually starting to really take root out there where you get clients calling. And it used to be they would call for me. And that's obviously very rewarding. And we'd try to have them talk to somebody else who was more knowledgeable on these subjects. And they just wanted to talk to me, which is great for your ego, trust me. But it, <laughs> it ain't sustainable. And so it's really nice. I think, you know, probably my proudest moment at this point is we get people who call and I'll sometimes I'll answer it. You know, they call after hours. I'm always here. And so I'll pick it up and they'll, oh, yeah, great to hear from you, David. Is Nicole available? Is Kristen available? Is Ryan available? They don't even want to talk to me anymore. Uh, And I mean, they'll do all right talking to me, but I would say probably our proudest moment is that that I have been able to gradually over time get enough out of my head and and train the team up that, you know what? The business is now to a point where I, I could step away and frankly, some days it might run smoother. (laughs) <laughs> it's really nice to build a business, you know, that someday you know could continue to serve the industry and clients that you know and love independent of you. So, it's not easy, takes a lot of work, but you know, I think we're getting there. All right. Well, how can people reach you if they've got questions for you, David? Uh, any questions that folks have and frankly just tracking our content. Again, we're pretty good about pushing this stuff out. We do it on our social media accounts. Specifically, LinkedIn tends to be you know where we're most commonly seen, where you'll see our posts, but it's on Facebook and Instagram, not on TikTok yet, but we're everywhere else. Uh, you can check out the website. Not, you're not missing anything. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, successionresource.com. We post all of our content there as well. But I think between those two, that should get you everything you need because our phone numbers and everything are on there. Our email addresses are there. You can chat with our team live. I mean, a big part of our our team and our ethos, we don't sell. We just inform. If we can inform and then you decide to retain us to help you solve these problems, fantastic. If you want to go work with local counsel and we still help educate you, that's still a win in my book. So we're always here and happy to have these conversations because they're a little bit different for each client that we work with. All right, listeners, follow or subscribe to this podcast if you do have questions, even if you don't, because then you'll know when a new show is ready for you. And of course, share with others. Thanks for being with us. And that concludes another episode of SRG Offscript. We hope you found this episode both interesting and valuable. We encourage you to check out our website at successionresource.com, or of course, connect with us on social for the latest happenings at SRG. If you just can't get enough of SRG Offscript, we invite you to join our monthly Q&A webinar, SRG Offscript Live, where we address your questions sparked by the latest podcast topic. Finally, 
If you enjoyed today's episode as much as we did recording it, please leave us a review and tell your industry friends about us. Your support helps us continue to bring you the best content possible. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Succession Resource Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of an expert with any questions you may have. As always, we at SRG stand ready to help when you're ready.